Today's reading is from James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. My brothers, show no partiality as you have the faith, as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and a fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, will you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet? Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my brothers, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs to the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? If you... Really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy, but mercy triumphs over judgment. This is the word of the Lord today. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Welcome to Grace Community Church. I'm Pastor Brooks. I'll be bringing you the word this morning as we are going through our series on the book of James. The title of that series is James Faith Works. But what if it doesn't work? In the, in the day-to-day. I mean, you heard two testimonies. Uh, you heard Savannah, and at one point in time in her testimony, she said, sometimes I'm not kind to my siblings. Does anyone else relate to that? <laughs> Is there anyone here who, who can say, you know, sometimes I don't love my neighbor. Sometimes I don't even love God, at least to the degree that I should. I mean, that... That seems normal. Now, what James is, is teaching us through his, through his epistle, his letter, is that if we have come to a place where we have trusted Christ as our Savior, we have, we have received the pardon that comes from Christ through the forgiveness of sin. We've received that. We've, we've received His Holy Spirit. We have been, as Paul says, justified by, by faith. We've been declared righteous and not guilty all at the same time. Every, all because of what Jesus has done, not because of what we have done. What James is, is saying through this epistle is, if that's true for you and it's true for me, then our faith ought to work. It ought to do something. It ought to bring us something more than simply forgiveness. We're not just forgiven if we're in Christ. Now, we are forgiven if we're in Christ, but we're not just forgiven. So what if faith doesn't work in the day today? As the text uh, that was just read, that Josh read, looked at in, in, in James chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 13. We're going to look at one specific way that faith oftentimes, at least by those who profess faith, doesn't seem to be working. And that's the, the sin of something called partiality. And we're going to be looking at how to overcome partiality. Uh, first of all, we're going to look at three things. What is it? What is partiality? Uh, and then secondly, what's the reason for it? Why are we partial? Partial, Not if, everybody here is partial in one degree or another. 
uh, including Savannah. She's partial towards her siblings. She said it herself. And Marianne said sometimes she unleashes, she doesn't bridle that tongue, and she displays a partiality with her coworkers. So all of us do it. All of us do it. Why do we do it? Why are we partial? And the third thing we're going to look at through the gospel, how do we overcome that partiality? How do we overcome that? So let's go to the Lord. We need the Holy Spirit. Thank, thank Him that He provides the Word of God and ask Him to intervene on our behalf. Father, we come to You in humble adoration and humble dependence. Uh, Lord, apart from You, we can do nothing. And apart from You, I cannot make sense of Your Word, let alone apply it myself. But through the Holy Spirit, um, Lord, You can make Your Word do a incredible work in my heart. Start there but also in the hearts uh, and, the, and the minds of each and every person who is here this morning. Jesus, would you manifest your power? Would you make much of the gospel this morning? Would you make much of yourself? Would you help us come to know you more? And for many, would you help them uh, come to know you and trust you maybe for the first time? Jesus, would you do this for your honor and for your glory? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, let's get to it. So what is partiality? The text that Josh read, let's take a look at verse one. My brothers, show no partiality. Show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. So first of all, who is James addressing here? He's addressing brothers and sisters in Christ, my brothers and sisters. He's talking to those who profess Christ. And and then he says something, show no partiality. Now, what does he mean by partiality? Partiality, as you, as you see here, the definition, it's an idiom. Uh, literally, in the Greek, it means to accept the face. Now, that's strange. What James is saying is, show, don't, don't accept the face. What does that mean? He says, don't, don't judge someone simply by their appearance. When he says to accept the face, it means to, to make a judgment based upon an outward, an outward appearance. That's what partiality is. To, to make an unjust distinction between peoples by treating one person better than another based on some superficial, superficial criteria. That's, that's what it means to, to be partial, to show favoritism, to be biased, to be prejudiced. That's, that's what partiality is. Uh, it was an issue then, 2,000 years ago. Um, it's an issue today. It's an issue today. It doesn't go away this side of glory. And so James, addressing these individuals who have a profession of faith in Christ, he wants their faith to work, and it it ought to work by eliminating partiality. So that's, that's what it is. Now let's take a look. Some good news, bad news. First, the good news. The good news is everyone agrees that partiality is a bad thing. So in our culture, we agree on very little regarding Christians and those who are not Christians. Everyone is on the same page regarding the fact that partiality is bad. Partiality is bad. You should not be prejudiced in all of its forms. Would you agree that everyone says that partiality, bad? Yes? This isn't news, right? Well, here's the bad news. Here's the bad news. Calling it bad doesn't make it go away. Simply by saying that, you know what? Partiality is a bad thing. 
Don't be partial. Whether or not you've been following Jesus for 50, 60 years or for five years, or whether or not you're here this morning and you don't believe any of this, what you consider mumbo-jumbo about Jesus rising from the dead, the forgiveness of sin, you're just here because you came with a spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend drug you to church or your parents drug you to church. You don't believe in any of this? I'm guessing that all of you, regardless of what you believe, believe that partiality is bad, but here's the thing. Labeling it bad doesn't mean you're not partial. And it doesn't mean that calling it bad and everyone agreeing that it's bad in our society makes partiality and every single one of its, its various uh, myriad of applications, it doesn't make it go away. It doesn't make it go away. This is, this is self-evident. Now, James gives us an illustration. Now, before I get to the text here, let me, let me just back it up and, and look at verse 1. My brothers, show no partiality. Show no partiality. Actually, in the Greek, in the Greek, that word is plural. So if we were to translate it in a literal translation, it would say, my brothers, show no partialities, plural. Now, that, that reads awkward. It reads awkward. And, and, and in the English, even though it's, it, it looks singular, here's what James is saying. Show no partiality in all of its various forms. That's what he's saying. Because it, it manifests itself in as many ways as there are different people, it can manifest itself that way. So he gives us one example. And it's a parable. It's a parable. Let's take a look at the text. He says, for example, if a person, a man with a gold ring and fine clothing, he comes into your assembly. Now, we assume, we assume that the assembly is probably a worship service. It could be, but it doesn't say that. It could also be an assembly in a, in a court of law setting. And there are some commentators based on what follows that believe that this is a, as a place where justice is, is, is dispensed. So regardless of the setting, we're, going to assume, we're just going to take the role of a church because we're all here in a church this morning. So somebody comes into your church assembly and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. And if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and you say, you sit here in a good place while you say to the poor man, you stand over here or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? So the, the parable, he says, imagine you're, you're in church and, and somebody comes in dressed to the nines and they, they have gold and, and then someone else comes in and they're, they're dressed shabbily and, and, and you make a distinction based upon the way that they're dressed. You say to the, the rich person, here, you come sit up in front. Actually, technically, those are the, the seats which are not desired because no one's sitting there. So the rich person comes in and you set them by the sound booth where they can be unnoticed and they can get in quick and they can get out quick. You put them there and then you pour the poor guy, you put them right in the front where he gets spit on and he gets the brunt of Brooks's tears and snot and everything else that, that emanates as he's just going crazy here. And he's, he's actually more seen, more visible by everyone else. And so that's awkward. And, and you've made the distinction on what basis? What's the basis of the distinction? Wealth. So in this case, it's about wealth. It's, in this case, it's about wealth. So the preferential treatment is given to those with means. So that was 2,000 years ago. Let's take a vote. Let's take a vote. If you have means in our society, do you think that people in generally, are giving you preferential treatment in life. Absolutely, there, there is no question about it. 
bunny, what's it, what does it do? It talks. It's always, it has a loud voice. James is saying its voice shouldn't be any louder than, than any other factor. Now, we, in, we know this, right? Hypothetically, nobody's going to argue. Everybody agrees with James. Yes, that kind of preferential treatment, that's bad. So he gives us, he gives us a parable. He gives us a parable, but he doesn't necessarily answer. He doesn't tell us why, in fact, why, in fact, we, we, we tend to defer to those with means. He doesn't say why. In this case, that's the example. But it could be any number of reasons. So let's, let's jump into the why. Oops, I guess we have still have more scripture. Listen, my, my beloved brothers, not, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which is promised to those who love him? But you've dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich ones the ones who oppress you and, are, and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? So they're giving preference to the rich in the hopes that maybe they can get something from them, but the very, rich are the very ones that are exploiting them. So that's the parable. Now let's take a look at the why. Verses 8 through 11. He says, if, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, and then he tells us what that royal law is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you really fulfill that royal law, are you, you, you're doing well. However, but, verse, verse 8, or 9 rather, if you show partiality, if you give preference, if you give preference to your neighbor based on, in, in, the, in the parable's case, based upon wealth or any other myriad of reasons, are you, you, are, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law, the whole law, but fails at one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you've become a transgressor of the law. Okay, now, the short answer to the question, why are we partial? It's, it's a very, very short answer, and it's three letters, sin. He says, if you show partiality, you're committing sin. So the short answer to why are human beings partial, it's because we were all born, we were all born in sin. One of the, the first question that Josh asked both baptizees is, are you by nature and choice a what? Sinner. Now, what that question is stating is that it's, it's not an either-or. It's both. We're by nature sinners, and we make the choice to sin because we are by nature sinners. That's why we sin. So the short answer to why are we partial? Because we're sinners. It's, it's in our fallen, broken DNA to be partial. That's why Savannah is, is not kind to her siblings at times. That's why Marianne doesn't bridle her tongue at times. That's why I don't bridle my tongue at times. That's why we treat people differently based upon what they can or what we perceive they can and cannot do for us. So let's, let's get into the weeds here. Back to the illustration. So in the illustration that James gives, what's the, what's the primary issue? Two individuals come into the church, what's the difference between the two? Wealth. Now one is obviously wealthy, 
This person wears it. Literally, they wear it, gold, fine clothing, and so they can see it. So why would, why would people in a church context be preferential to the rich? Why? Because money talks. There's a sense in which if we defer and we give preference to those who have, we make an assumption that if we get on their good side, maybe what they have will become what I have. Here's, here's the truth about wealth. People with wealth have the power, because of their wealth, to make our lives beneficial somehow. They can give us some of their wealth. We can do something for them. We can give them preferential treatment or we can go to work for them and they can pay us. Now that wealth, it brings certain benefits. It brings security. It brings protection. It brings a whole bunch of things. So when, when there is, there's wealth, in the, the reason money talks is because people want it or they want what it can provide. So people are naturally preferential towards those who have. Now, on the, on the converse, the flip side, the shabby clothing person comes in, the person who does not have, not only, not only does the poor not have the ability to enrich my life literally, they also have the potential of taking from me. In other words, if a poor person comes in, there's a good chance that they're going to have needs that I could potentially meet. Well, now the bottom line has just lowered in my context. Now, when the rich person comes in, they, have, they don't have any quote-unquote needs. I'm not going to be out financially because of their presence. But if the poor, if the poor come in, well, then I might need to step up and, and help them in some way, and then my bottom line decreases. So not only... Do, am I, and I, do I stand to gain something by giving preferential treatment to the rich? I stand to lose something if I give preferential treatment to the poor. Do you see how that works? Everybody knows this. Everybody knows this. That's why you and I avoid people who are, can we say it together, needy. Why? We don't want them to take our time. We won't want them to cut into our, our resources. The, James is just, this is an example. Now, now, you see it very clearly in the parable that he's given us with the rich, but there are lots of reasons or different things that we can be partial towards. Tri, uh, race, racism. Partiality tends to be tribal, which includes, and there's various tribes that we're in. Each of you has a racial tribe that you're in. You, you may not identify yourself that way, but some of you, it, it is a, it, you, do sense, you do tend to identify that way. Some of, it's, some of you are very tribal politically. You're very tribal politically. You ident- that's a badge that you wear. And you, you tend to want to look and see, well, what tribe are you in? What tribe are they in? right? So there's, there's, there's tribalism based on that. There's economic tribalism. There's different socioeconomic strata, if you will. And we tend to, to judge one another based on, on their socioeconomic tribe. There's religious tribes, the non-religious versus the religious, the Protestant versus the Catholic, the evangelical versus the main line. So there's different tribes within the tribes, right? Uh, and, it, and here's the thing. When we, when we are partial towards one another, regardless of the, the reason. So the, the example given by James is, is what? Economic, right? But 
But we see it all the time with race, right? You can, you can give preference to someone on the basis of the color of their skin. You can give preference to, the, to someone on the basis of their gender. All, all sorts of, of different reasons. Whenever, regardless of the reason, whenever human beings are partial towards other human beings on a superficial basis, on a basis which is not substantive, but it, it's, it, it, always, it always leads it always leads to a perversion of justice. It, li- it, lends to, it tends towards injustice. I want, to, I want you to turn back in the Old Testament to a couple different passages. We're just going to look at two. The first is Leviticus chapter 19. So James mentions the royal law, and then he quotes, love your neighbor as yourself. That's a quote from Leviticus 19. Okay, so let's take a look at uh, where partiality is mentioned a couple different times in, in connection with the royal law, the, com- the command to love your neighbor as yourself. So first of all, Leviticus chapter 19, and we're going to look at verse 15. I'm going to back it up and start with verse 13, give it a little context here. Starting in verse 13, you shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. That's an injustice. The wages of a hired worker shall not remain with you all night until the morning. Pay your workers. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God, I am the Lord. Now here's verse 15. You shall not, you shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. But in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. Now, what is, what is God saying here? Don't be partial when you are administering justice. So if a poor person comes in, do not grant them favor on the, verse, on the, on the basis that, of, that they don't have. Or if someone who comes in who has means, do not defer a judgment on the basis of the fact that they do have. In other words, justice should just be justice. It shouldn't have any basis on on who the individual is. Justice, Lady Justice is what? What does she wear? She's supposed to be blindfolded. But we all know that the truth of the matter is that in our nation... And in every nation that's ever been, Lady Justice takes that blindfold and goes, Do you know what lobbyists are? Lobbyists are people with means that go to state legislatures and national legislatures and they lobby and they pour out gifts that the Bible calls bribes so that preferential treatment will be granted to their, the group they're lobbying for. It's all legal-ish. The, one, one other verse here. I said we're going to look at two. Deuteronomy chapter 16. Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 19. Here it is. Verse 18, you shall appoint judges and officers in all your towns that the Lord your God is giving you according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with righteous judgment, righteously. You shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality, and you shall not accept a bribe. For a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and subverts the cause of the righteous. Justice 
and only justice you shall follow, that you may live and inherit the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So the result of partiality, regardless of its flavor, and there are many flavors, way more than Baskin-Robbins, okay? As, as many as there, whatever, whatever way you can make a distinction between individuals, that's as many forms of partiality exist. Now, what the Bible says, what the, what the law of, of uh, um, the royal law says is love your neighbor as yourself. Therefore, there, there can be no, dis- don't, you'll pervert justice. The moment you start being partial is the moment you will pervert justice. That's, that's the point. That's the point. And, and we see that if we're honest with ourselves and, and if we look a little bit closer into our national history, you see injustice all throughout. All through, it, it's existed hundreds of years ago as it exists today. There's, there's partiality within this church. There's partiality within the 16-foot circle that I draw right around myself that I'm standing in the middle of. I can't get away from it, and neither can you. Wherever I go, that partial heart goes with me. Now, James is addressing it, and he says, don't be partial. And we've seen how it works. We've seen how it works. But, but I want to draw attention to the reality of just how insidious it can be. So uh, Martin Niermöller, a German pastor, who was a member of the Nazi party in, in the early 30s when Hitler first took power, eventually became opposed to Hitler and eventually went to prison for that, uh, had this to say about partiality. First they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. Now, when you look back in Germany's history, you can see, oh, yeah, that's partiality. And what he's admitting is that when partiality was, was given towards, towards his group, in, in, in favor of his group, he didn't notice or care as long as the other, he wasn't a part of the, of the groups that were not receiving preferential treatment. And he didn't say anything. See, that's the insidious nature of partiality. Those with partial hearts only object when they're being treated with partiality negatively. Then all of a sudden it becomes an issue. I've had numerous conversations with various people, uh, blacks who attend Grace Community Church, even had one this morning, that when white Christians are silent about things which happen in our day, I'm not talking about Jim Crow laws, I'm not talking about 50, 60 years ago, or back when slavery was really a thing here. When we are, white Christians are silent about what, what happens to them, they feel that as pain. And, and oftentimes, and in our case, for those who are white, it's like, well, it's not my issue. It doesn't affect me. Well, yeah, it, it, it doesn't until it does. It doesn't until it does. So it, you see how subtle this is? 
It, it's as relevant today as it was when James first wrote this letter. It is so palpable how relevant it is. This transcends culture. It transcends culture. Now, let's, let's get awkward just for a minute. Here's a question for each one of us to consider. And it's not if you're partial, it's how are you partial. We're not looking at Martin Neomoller now. We're looking inwardly. So look in the, remember James? When we look in the, the mirror, and see that when you look in the mirror, what kind of partiality does the person that you're looking at exhibit? Who are you to, who do you tend to be partial towards? What kinds of groups of people? Or put another way, what, what group of people, if they come into your presence, are you unlikely, maybe, maybe you wouldn't oppress them formally, but you wouldn't give them the front seat or wherever the best seat. So you're going you're gonna to give preferential treatment to whom? Who do, you, who do you tend to cater towards? What group of people? Generically, what group of people do, you, do each one of us cater towards? People that look like me, act like me, vote like me. They're, they like the same things I like. You know, birds of a feather, what do they do? They flock together. Now, in one sense, that doesn't necessarily lead to injustice and lead to sin. But here's where it does lead to sin. If someone else comes into my presence, but they don't look like me, they don't act like me, they don't think like me, and they have a need, and they are my neighbor, and I ignore the need. That's a problem. So who are the people that, that are in our culture that are not like you, that are not like me, but they are our neighbor, and we could love them as the Lord our God requires? We could if we wanted to, but we don't want to. Who are they? For you. Who are the people that I don't want to have a cup of coffee with them? Who are they? Does, does everybody here have in their, in their mind's eye the image of the person they don't want to give a seat right next to them? Do you have that person in your eye, in your mind's eye? Now, for the one person who's Jesus, who says, I can't think of anyone. Awesome. You go. Or you're delusional. You're not looking close enough. You can pick which one is, is for you, right? So, that, you got it? Now, here, here's a, a more, a just as important. Not only uh, where do you tend to be partial, how do we change? How do we change? That's, that's where the rubber meets the road. Let's look at two ways not, that won't bring about change. And, and play this out. I don't, you're not allowed to send me emails yet until you let me get to the end, all right? First way that will not overcome partiality is, well, just declare it illegal. All we have to do is just make a law. Okay, by the way, Here's where I don't, want you, I don't want to get emails. I'm not saying that laws should not be made. I'm not, I'm not antinomian. I'm not against the law. I'm not an anarchist. I think laws are good things. They ought to be, they ought to be laws. So recently, uh, 
The Supreme Court, so, so for those of you that are in the news, they, they overturned Roe v. Wade. So now that doesn't mean that the, the SCOTUS is, has, has labeled abortion illegal. What it, what it does mean is that they kicked it back to the states the way it was in 1972 previously. Now it's up to the states to determine the legality or the illegality of abortion on demand in all its various you know, how long, when, who, who gets it, who doesn't, and so forth and so on. It's kicked back to the state. So now we're back to 1972. Now, the, the, where you are at in terms of whether or not it should be illegal or legal is not so much the issue because making a law saying that partiality in that sense, that, that, that the unborn, because they don't have a voice, should not be treated partia- given partiality or uh, re- receive the negative end of that, that's based on partiality. But simply declaring it illegal doesn't make it go away. Now, again, I'm not saying that it shouldn't be. By the way, for those of you who want to know where we stand as a church, there is a paper that's being edited right now. It's almost done. It'll be done probably in the end of the week where grace is at. The elders have put that together on this particular issue. Stay tuned. We will make that available very, very soon. And you can, but this, that's not the point of this sermon, but it does connect in the sense that making something illegal doesn't make it go away. So that's one form. The, last week was Juneteenth, which was a celebration of what? The emancipation, the emancipation of, of the slaves who didn't know they were freed by two years, right? So declaring slavery illegal, it ended racism effectively in this country. Yes? No. And some of you are laughing because that's absurd. Well, Jim Crow came along, and then, but the civil rights movement in the 1960s, that effectively ended racism, right? Of course it didn't. And in each of those cases, legislation was passed, and rightfully so. But it, it didn't end the problem of partiality. It never does. Again, that's not to say that laws should or should not be passed. Laws are good. Disc- anti-discrimination laws are a good thing. Anti-partiality laws, that's what they are. Those are a good thing. But that doesn't, that doesn't change the hearts of, of the individuals that are reading James's letter. It doesn't change those hearts. So declaring something uh, illegal or mandating that people not be partial doesn't, doesn't make the problem go away. We all know this, right? It's not news to any of us. Here's another tried and, I, would, I was going to say tried and true, but it's, not, it's been tried, but it's not true because it doesn't work, and that is, well, just replace the partial people. Just get rid of those who are impartial. How many of you are Marxists? Any of you? That's a trick question. I knew, even if you are like, I'm not raising my hand. These are all conservatives and capitalists, and I might not make it out alive. You know? So even if you're a Marxist, you're not going to raise your hand. You know Marx is right? Some of you are like, I'm sending the email. I'm drafting it in my head right now. He, you know, a broken clock is right twice in 24 hours, right? Here's what Marx was right on. He saw an injustice in his culture. He saw, he saw the rich oppressing the poor. He saw that in his culture, in Russian society, those who had wealth oppressed those who did not. And they, he saw that money spoke, it talked. He correctly identified partiality. In that sense, he's just like James. Now, his solution 
was to just chop off the heads of all the people with wealth and put those who don't have wealth in power so the state gets all the power. And that solved partiality. Said no one ever, right? It didn't work. You say, oh, I'm glad that we live in America, you know, where we don't have those issues. Well, let's just jaunt back to 1776. So King George is being partial, yes? He is taxation without representation. So he's treating the colonists in a way that he's not treating British citizens in, in, in the British Isles. So that's partiality. And so our founding fathers, God bless their hearts, I'm glad they did, they decided to cast off the yoke and get rid of those partial rulers. And we founded a nation, and we wrote a constitution. And in that constitution, it said that blacks are three-fifths of a human being. Oops, partiality still around. And it wasn't until the 1860s when the nation finally erupted into a civil war to make that not an issue, see point number one, so they passed a law, made it illegal, and, and you still have partiality. So... By the way, I'm not saying that one form of government is better. No, I am saying that there are forms of government. I'm not saying that communism is the same as, as a, a democratic republic. I'm not saying that. I'm just, here's what I'm saying. Regardless of the people which are in power who are partial, if you take up arms and you overthrow them and you put your own institution in, your own form of government, who's running the culture? Partial people. Why? Because when they had nothing and they were being oppressed, and now they have something, they become whom? Oppressors. It's the same cycle in history, and it always has been. How not to overcome partiality? Just make it illegal or get rid of all the partial people. If you got rid of all the partial people in the world, how many people would be left? None. No one. No one. Okay, so... Enough of the how not to. Where's the solution? So, James is going to get to the conclusion. So, speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to those who, have, who show no mercy. For mercy triumphs over judgment. Man, I wish I had another 10 minutes, but I don't. So, uh, when he says the law of liberty, that really requires that you were here last week and the week before. Every time you hear that phrase, law of liberty, you need to think death, burial, resurrection of Christ, and what Jesus accomplished for me that I couldn't accomplish for myself. Here's what he's saying. Live in light of the gospel. Live in light of the gospel. Um, some of you, as, as we mentioned, two different social issues. You have the abortion issue and you, and you have the race issue. Um, all of us are partial to one degree or another, and both of those issues are affected by partiality. And as, as we think about every single person here, some of you have, if statistics are right, a third, a third of childbearing women have had an abortion. That means that a third of the men here have participated in that. And if statistics are right, seven out of ten women who have had abortions are, are self-identifying as Christians. 
So what does that mean? It means that everybody's partial. And everybody at some point has been partial to the degree to the harm of someone else. Maybe not in that specific application. So where's the hope? Here's the deal. Everybody's guilty of partiality. Now, what does James say? James says your partiality is the same as murder. And sometimes it literally leads to murder. And your partiality is just as bad as adultery. And for some of you, that's, that doesn't fill you with hope. But here's where the hope comes from. It comes from the fact of the law of liberty. That when we look into the mirror, and we don't forget who we are, as we talked about last week, last week when we look in the mirror of the, of the law of liberty, what we see is a sinner, a partial person, who is prone to treat people with partiality on the basis of what they can do for us. And we see that that very partiality leads to injustice, and that very injustice got Jesus nailed to a cross. But here's the beauty of what happened on the cross. The sin of my partiality, the sin of your partiality, the sin of your racism, the sin of your abortion, the sin of your materialism, the sin of your greed, the sin of your pride, which is the root of all of those sins, all of that sin, Jesus took impartially on your behalf. That's why when he looks at you, he's not partial anymore. You know what? He is partial. That's totally wrong. He is partial. He makes a distinction. He makes a distinction for all of those who have received the free gift of forgiveness. And he says, this person is righteous. Even though they once practiced racism, even though this person once had an abortion, there is hope because of the law of liberty, because of the gospel. You're free now. You're free in Christ to live freely. You're free to be impartial because you're judged according to the law of liberty. And that leads to mercy. One of the things that we want to be as a church is we're looking at this historic ruling with, with SCOTUS and all of that. Understand this. Laws don't change things, but we do believe laws matter but they don't change anything. What does change people is the gospel. Yes? So as a church, if we become, if we live according to the law of liberty, if we live that out, if we live that out, we'll be people of compassion. That we won't make a distinction on the basis of race. We won't make a distinction between people on the basis of, of color. And we won't make distinctions on the basis of if a young woman comes in with a bun in the oven, but she has no husband. We will not make distinctions between the born and the unborn. We will both, we'll value the life of both. We will value the life of the unborn. We'll value the life of the born. And we'll value the lives of the women who carry those children, regardless of their economic status, their racial status, or their marital status. That's what it looks like to live that out. Now, whether or not we do is completely up to us. But through the law of liberty, the gospel of Jesus Christ, we can actually be impartial. And we ought to be for the sake of the glory of our risen Savior. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. It is so undeserved. Thank you that you have given it freely.
And Lord, you show no partiality. Lord, you give it to those who are raised in church and see their need of you. You give it to those who are not raised in church who begin to see their need of you. You give it to those who have committed, broken all of the Ten Commandments. You give it to those who have broken only the greatest of the commandment, which is to fail to love you with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. All of us are lawbreakers, and we thank you, Lord, that you have given your grace freely to all who call upon you. I pray that if there are some here this morning who have not called upon you, that today would be the day that they cry out to you and they receive your grace and mercy. Lord, help us to live um, in the light of the gospel to be impartial and to share freely with what you have freely given us in Jesus' name.